news. While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Barrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris is going to call in in the 8 o'clock hour. We've got a good show ahead for you this evening. We're going to start by being joined um, by State Rep from New Bedford, Tony Cabral. Tony, how are you? Good. Doing well. So, um, good evening. Good, <laughs> good evening. Good, good evening. So, Tony, um, we're going we're, we're gonna to sort of jump right into it. Um, I know you've been busy at the state house. You secured some earmarks uh, in the in the state budget for, for New Bedford. Um, we're going to talk about that, but I want to start with the um, MBTA the the draft complaint for a lawsuit um, between Mayor Mitchell in the city of New Bedford and the MBTA, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, um, that seeks to uh, basically secure more money. Uh, they're saying they didn't get fair market value for the land. Um, that they uh, that they that was taken by the MBTA from the eminent domain statue. One of the issues that I think the they, um, the um, the members that your colleagues in the delegation had gotten um, had gotten upset about is the uh, part of the complaint that challenged the authority of the MBTA um, challenged the authority of the MBTA. Uh, to take the to take the um, to take the land, and they also said that the um, the co- the you know the, the overall benefit of the South Coast Rail outweighs any any monetary damages that go- they're going still going to secure. They signed a, uh, your colleague signed a letter. You conspicuously were not on that letter uh, condemning the lawsuit and asking Mayor Mitchell to withdraw it. So, what's your position on Mayor Mitchell's lawsuit against the MBTA? Well, to begin with, I think uh, there are, uh, you know, different issues here. There's, uh, but in terms of, uh, if you look at it as a whole, in terms of the value of the property or not, I, I, I believe that um, uh, that the MBTA, yes, has the ability to take land by eminent domain, and they did. Uh, did they have the ability to do it at the time that they did? That's questionable, and I'm not going to be uh, debating that. Um, but the the issue that I really uh, want to talk about or focus on is really the uh, the compensation for the land that they took by eminent domain. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe that you're supposed to pay fair market value mm-hmm. whenever whenever you take land by eminent domain or otherwise. Um, I believe uh, the city has um, has. Um, um, I think they, they, they as, as a case here to be made, uh, I think ought to be fair value. I don't think it is market fair value, market, market value, uh, at this point, the fair market value. I mean, you're talking about almost 10 acres of land, uh, 
and uh, for a little bit over $400,000. I mean, that's, to me, uh, the MBTA has a huge a huge uh, capital budget in the billions uh, and, tr- and try to get 10 acres of land or close to 10 acres of land for $400,000 from a community like New Bedford. I think it's it's they can do better than that and they ought to do better than that. And I think uh, uh, that's what I would like to see. I mean, I, I think this is about also uh, the residents of New Bedford, the folks who pay property taxes in New Bedford. Uh, I'm sure if you walk through New Bedford or you come across folks who in New Bedford, that's one of their number one complaints, right? Yeah. And 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 if when the city can can secure additional money for their land or additional money whenever they they're able to do, I think it, it it's good because it will help maintain, stabilize, if not decrease, at least stabilize any possible increases in that area. The more revenue the city receives, doesn't matter how the revenue comes in, right? Uh, in, in this case would be through, through the land, uh, these 10 acres. So, uh, I believe the MTA, the MBDA should come to the table, should negotiate with the city, and should provide the fair market value for that property. As simple as that. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna be sitting here defending MBTA. Uh, um, sure. I, mean, I get elected to go to Boston to defend the interests of New Bedford and those that elect me. Uh, and I think in, in this case, uh, the, MB, the MBTA needs to pay Market value. You um you approached me when we were at the um at the House of Correction uh a couple of weeks ago um you know touring the the cells that were trashed in the uh, in that uh, standoff and um you had said something about um you know you're the chair of the audit and oversight committee in the in the House and how in every legislation you have uh, when there's more amicable takings there's always some sort of provision for fair market value. Yes, I mean I I, I chair the committee on state administration, yeah, yeah, and regulatory oversight, right? That's and, what it does. Uh, yeah, and all uh, most of uh, legislation that go, uh, most of the legislation to do with uh, transfer of land or, or or community or state or between state agencies or otherwise, uh, most of those le- most of those pieces of legislation goes to the committee that I chair. Sure. And uh, whenever we report out those particular pieces of legislation, we make sure that. There is a provision in that legislation around fair market value. Yeah. And that's something, by the way, that the IG's office, the Attorney General's, uh, the Inspector General's office, also urge, sort of advises whenever we deal with those issues in the committee. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I had a meeting with the IG today, not about this particular issue. Right. Uh, but about, you know, because we have, the IG is fairly new, uh, just started roughly about six, seven months ago. Uh, and we do uh, interact a lot, my committee and, and his office, around these issues and other issues. Um, and uh, so clearly, if we are requesting, whenever a community or a state agency or, or, or requests some kind of land transfer or buying land or transferring land, all of that has to be upfront and all of that has to be market value. There is language in there that we make sure it's in there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't report our legislation that does not have that. Um, because that's the only right thing to do and the fair thing to do. That's property of, in this case, a lot of times it's property that belongs either to the state or it could be property that belongs to a particular community or vice versa. Uh, and, and, and that's the way we do it. And that's the way, the fair way to do it. So we're speaking with Tony Cabral, state rep from New Bedford. Um, one of the things that, you know, I spoke with a few of your colleagues, uh, a couple of them on the air, Chris Markey and Chris Hendricks, 
they had um they had said that the the they were um i think particularly uh upset about the the part of the draft complaint that challenged the authority of the taking um saying that uh it could set a potentially dangerous precedent um you know and, and mayor mitchell sort of dismissed that out of hand when i when it was brought up to him um both by me and by tim weisberg on the weekly segment uh, on the tim weisberg show um what's your position on that do you think that this could jeopardize the um the arrival of south coast rail on schedule i don't believe that at all i don't think it will jeopardize the uh, south coast rail for arriving here whenever mbta has said it's going to be uh, they keep insisting, they keep telling us that it's going to be here by the end of, of this year, by the end of 2023. Yeah. I do expect that to happen. They haven't okay. given us a definitive date, uh, but I will be holding them accountable to that. Not only myself, but I'm sure the rest of my colleagues in the delegation. That's something we've been working on for many, many years. I've been working on this issue for over 30 years, and and uh, they're not doing us any favor. They, they're doing what is right to do, to connect uh, major cities of New Bedford and Fall River to the capital of the state, the, the, really the economic engine, not only of Massachusetts, but of New England. Boston yeah. really is in the greater Boston area. So, and we used to have service and we've been fighting for that service and the service is coming. Uh, and we, you know, we, we, and we contribute to that. Yeah. Fact, you know, everybody down here, by the way, uh, a penny of the sales tax, right? We pay, if you go to a restaurant, it ends up being 7%, but seven and a quarter, right? So 1% of that, so one penny out of the six and a quarter, goes directly to MBTA. We all pay sales tax. We all pay meals tax when we go out. Uh, so the, the residents of New Bedford have been contributing to the budget of MBTA for years. Right. For years. So they're not doing anybody any favors. They're doing what's right, what we've been fighting for. And if it wasn't for us fighting for, they wouldn't do it. Right. I mean, so... And we expect that's going to be done, and it's going to be done on time. If not, they better they better have a, be, a good explanation why they they cannot meet the deadline that they set themselves. So we're speaking with Rep. Tony Cabral. You mentioned uh, your chairmanship, the the um, the committee on state uh, over uh, oversight, state administration and regulatory oversight. Yeah, uh, state administration and regulatory oversight. Um, just can you just talk about the role that committee plays in uh, legislation? Well, the committee plays a role on on, uh, on a number of things. Uh, for example, I know Mark uh, Mark, uh, Mark um, uh, Pacheco and Totten chairs the Senate side too, right? The last session he did. The last session uh, he did. This oh, okay. session is Senator Collins from Southwest. Okay, okay. He's my Senate counterpart. Nick, Nick Collins. Yeah, Nick yeah, Collins. yeah. It's a joint committee. Um, there are some committees, just standing committees of the House or standing committees of the Senate. This one happens to be. A joint committee of both mm. House uh, House members and Senate members. Okay. Um, it, it goes from uh, an array of things, right? Uh, from uh, open meeting law to uh, to public records to land uh, um, reorganization of any executive branch area. For example, the governor's proposal to uh, uh, to um, uh, Create a new secretariat of housing and livable communities yeah. separated from economic development. Right. That came before the committee. Okay. We had a public hearing in which actually the governor and the lieutenant, lieutenant governor came and testified publicly. That was the, the first time they, they actually uh, testified before a committee. Yeah. Or the legislature besides ways and means. Right. Um, when they were leading up to the budget. Uh, so, um, op- 
open meeting laws that said public records, uh, land, lands, transfers, or acquisitions, um, uh, desig- under, it was called designations of things such as, we, we call it in the committee, honorary designations. For example, if you want to designate a particular thing for Massachusetts or the official bird of Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the state seal and flag and issues around yeah, that. Yeah, right. Uh, goes through the committee. For example, there is actually a commission right now uh, looking at the um, at the uh, at possibly making recommendations to change the state seal and the flag. Sure. Um, and I'm on that committee as because I'm the chair of the state administration. But yeah. any recommendations in the form of legislation that would come from that commission, it would have to come and report it to the committee on state administration and regulatory oversight. Relative of uh, Councillor Carney's, the the head of that committee, right? Uh-huh. No, she's a member of that commission. Member, she's, she's a member a, of she it. She represents the, in that commission one of the indigenous tribes. Right. The commission is uh, is put together by a number of folks who represent the indigenous tribes in Massachusetts. Sure. Uh, there are folks like myself and Pacheco was last term because we are the chairs of the committee. There is somebody from the from the secretary of state. Uh, so a lot of those appointments were made by the made by the governor actually. Uh, in this case, all by Charlie Baker. The committee still has not done its official report. We'll do it sometime, I believe, by by sometime in November. Cool. Um, so whatever recommendations would have to come to the Committee on State Administration, the committee at that point, if it has legislation in front of it, in front of, it, of the committee, then has to have a public hearing on that as well. Um, um, holidays, designations of holidays in Massachusetts, for example, uh, we have a, a proposal uh, to uh, to make uh, Columbus Day Indigenous Day rather than Columbus Day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we did the Juneteenth holiday right. in Massachusetts, uh, uh, that go through, goes to the state administration uh, committee. Sure. So, and regulatory oversight means any regu- any state regulations. Uh, we have the ability in that committee to do an oversight of those regulations to see if uh, we can pick, we can uh, take whatever regulations we might want, depending on the issue, depending on the agency, and, and to see if the regulations meet the intent the intent of the original legislation that created, because a lot of legislation that gets passed, usually there's a provision that allows agent, the agency or the executive branch, depending on which part of the executive branch, to create or promulgate, I should say, uh, regulations uh, to implement the intent of the law. Uh, some folks get. get uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't. I wouldn't use the word confused. Some people confuse regulations for from from law law and regulations. Regulations is 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 actually not law. It's just regulations to interpret the law in some cases, right? Interpretation of the law. In some cases, the executive branch instead of doing regulation, they'll do policy, mm-hmm. create a policy to to implement. Uh, the law that was passed by the legislature. In a lot of cases, they actually do through regulations to implement the law. So we can, the committee can, has the ability to do oversight of any one of those regulations, make sure they are meeting the intent of the law that they are supposed to be uh, implementing. So that's the other aspect of the committee. So we're speaking with uh, Tony Cabral, uh, state rep from New uh, State Rep from New Bedford. 
Um, before we, I'm going to take a break, then we're going to get into some of the budget earmarks you secured uh, for New Bedford. Before I take a break, I want to just sort of talk about the benefits of South Coast Rail. It's something you've obviously been working on for a, a while uh, during your during your ta- uh, time in the State House, and uh, just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what you see as the benefits of rail service coming down to um, Greater New Bedford. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want to do it now? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're take a break. Yeah. No. 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 We're going to take a break uh, after. Oh. Uh, okay. No. Yeah, I, yeah. I think obviously uh, we've been working on this. I've been working on this for over thirty years. It's very important. It's almost like uh, in the old, uh, you know uh, a few uh, centuries ago, all roads led to Rome, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the case. Boston is the Rome, if you will. Uh, so it's important that we are connected uh, for economic development, for job opportunities b- b- in both directions. And yeah. also create an ability for us in New Bedford uh, and Fall River and uh, the communities to actually, you don't have to commute to Boston. You're going to be able to commute to Taunton, for example. Right. You could have a job in Taunton or you yeah. could have a job in Middlebar or a job in in, uh, in Bridgewater, if, if one of those runs stops in Bridgewater, it will yeah. go through there. And have, so if you go to Bridgewater Russia, State, right? It right? Starts, stops That's right, right in Bridgewater State, yeah. If you go to Bridgewater State, yeah. you can actually take the train. That actually would have helped to, me when to, I went there, yeah, as a commuter. University. So it's not just about just New Bedford, Boston. I think all the communities along the way. I think it's important we begin to make those kinds of connections through rail, through public transit uh, in this part of the state as it is in the, in the greater Boston area. I mean, that is... Uh, everybody thinks, you know, why is MBTA important? It is important for the economy of Greater Boston as well. Right. Uh, the T in particular, you know, the, the light rail. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for us, it's not light rail, it's, it's commuter rail in the sense it's heavy rail. Um, so I, I think it will it will create immense opportunities for those who live here and for those who might want to live here in the future and also be able to, in terms of job opportunities, not just in Boston, but along the way, the route of the, of the, the train. And vice versa, somebody might want to come and work in New Bedford, right? They, they right. live in Taunton or live in Bridgewater or Middleborough. They have an opportunity to do that as well. So I think it will be, uh, it will be transformative in the end mm-hmm. uh, for us uh, in, in New Bedford and Greater New Bedford. Uh, it will have a tremendous impact uh, in terms of economic development, in, in potential jobs or job opportunities, um, people that can work outside of a bathroom. And usually you were in Boston, but not just in Boston. You can get a better salary in some cases. Of course. And then you come home, you're going to spend your money here. So that will yeah. help the economy as well. So I think it's, it's, it's a win-win. And, mm-hmm. and I believe it will be, in the long run, it will be transformative for the bathroom. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. We're we're speaking with State Rep Tony Cabral. Um, 508-996-0500, but we're going to actually just, we're going to focus on the budget um, earmarks that you've secured uh, for um, for New Bedford. So I first I want to talk to you about just sort of the process of, of doing, uh, of the budget and securing those earmarks, if you want to walk us through that. Sure. I mean, the state budget is obviously the biggest bill that we debate and pass every year. Mm-hmm. As for the state budget, the one that we debated at the end of uh, a, few, a couple of weeks back uh, on the House side, and actually the Senate will be debating next week, their version, um, is a process that takes several months before the debate to prepare uh, and, and, and put together. Obviously, it doesn't happen just that week. Uh, we, we have to have meetings. Uh, in my case, I meet with uh, various organizations in New Bedford. 
see what their needs might be, if there is a possibility of us helping them uh, one way or the other. And then uh, as the process, as we build the budget for the debate, uh, usually I meet with this, uh, the chairman of Ways and Means, uh, you know, talk about some of the, my priorities. Some of the priorities that I see is the priorities for New Bedford. Uh, and that's usually what happens uh, on the building up to the debate itself. Sure. Uh, there are some things that, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to amend on the floor. They come already through the budget base because of those conversations and those kinds of discussions with Ways and Means and, and other leaders in uh, the speaker's office and you know and other members of, of leadership, uh, but in some cases you have to file amendments. In, in this case, some of the earmarks usually is through am- uh, floor amendments, meaning we file the amendment to be debated that week, and hopefully we secure those funds. And that's usually most of the earmarks are secured that way by and large, even though leadership already is aware of those priorities, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and obviously it becomes a little easier to make the case during that week of the debate because, you know, they are familiar with the issue, they are familiar with the organization, they are familiar with the issue that we are trying to earmark some funds for that particular organization. Um, uh, I can give you a list, but before I go into that, I would like to talk to you a little bit about the bigger picture in terms of other aid that comes to the city, and not only to the city of Bedford, but other cities and towns receive also some financial aid from the state every year out of the state budget. Uh, for us in New Bedford, the big pieces, besides the, the specific earmarks for some specific programs or, or organizations, is really uh, Chapter 70. So the, the school aid, the money that comes for, sure. for the public schools and the money that comes what we call unrestricted local aid, which the city has sole ability to spend where they want to spend it, right? Uh-huh. Um, this year is the third year of the phase-in of the Student Opportunity Act, yeah. the new formula that we debated and we passed. I was supportive and co-sponsor of that legislation as well. Yeah. Uh, this is the third year in, into a seven-year phase-in. Uh, this year, New Bedford is going to receive, this year meaning the next school year that starts in September, which will be part of FY24, mm-hmm. you know, or fiscal year 24, that's why FY sort of the lingo at the State House sometimes. Of course. Um, uh, so the fiscal year 24, that actually starts July 1st, but the school year starts in September. In some cases, already the end of August, right? Um, <clears throat> New Bedford will receive $224 million of school aid. Wow. Uh, that's an increase of $25 million I was gonna from say, the, <laughs> present, uh, the present school year. That's what, the last time I had you on, we talked about $25 million. Um, uh, $25 million. I, my understanding was it's going to be 25 per per year for the next seven years, but you're saying... Well, it will fall in between that. Okay. It depends how, as we phase in uh, the seven years, but it, the increases will be substantial mm-hmm. uh, every school year. And the reason is because we changed, I mean, the big piece of that reform of uh, the Student Opportunity Act was to reform the formula that puts together the amounts that go for each, each specific community. And that formula... You know, I, I, let me say, was tilted towards uh, the communities with less resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, gateway cities, right? Like we call them, like New Bedford, Fall River, Brockton, Taunton, uh, Springfield, um, Lowell, Lawrence, you know, communities of that nature. Sure. But because of the needs, these communities have less resources to put into education to begin with, right? Um, and the needs of the community is greater than, let's say, Wellesley or, or Western, uh, to use more wealthy communities if we want to use some of 
the communities around the let's say Marion or Matter Poison or, or, or communities like that because it was tilted in a way that said they took in consideration uh, sort of weighted towards those those issues of uh, English language learners um, um, students with the economic uh, disadvantage right um, and and uh, um, and also in the formula there was a couple of other areas around the health care insurance and, and a couple of other things but so it's sort of weighted towards those issues that cities like New Bedford uh, um, have at a greater percentage than other communities and, and the need to raise or the need to have local funds go into education is more <clears throat> limited Yeah, that's big for communities like New Bedford. This is, good. this is, I would say, it's transformative if it's invested the right way, if sure. it's applied the right way. And I think so far I see good things in terms of the Department of, uh, uh, the, the present superintendent has done fairly, fairly good job, I would say, in making sure where those funds will be, will be invested. In terms of the under, un, the unrestricted local aid, which is a separate, uh, um, subsidy or aid that comes to the city from the state, out of the state budget annually. This year, the city is going to receive $27 million uh, as well as part of that program. There, the local government, be the mayor and the city council, specifically the mayor, has the ability to apply that across the board, whatever departments, whatever part of the city budget that uh, uh, he feels. Uh, sure. And the city council feels that that's the place where it should be plugged in in terms of some of those funds, such as the police department or the fire department and other, and other infrastructure needs of the city. Okay. That, that's another big piece that the city gets. Of course, the city also will get also chapter 90, which is for roads and bridges. Yeah. That's a smaller amount and that's not part of the state, part of the budget. Right. It's an annual, uh, annual, um, aid as well, but it's not part of the budget, separate, separate piece of legislation that we pass. Uh, the other thing that is also very important here in this budget that we debate is we increase, <clears throat> that will have an impact for New Bedford and throughout the state, we increase the cap or the amount of money that the, the, the school building authority can actually grant or provide funding for. Uh, they were capped at $800 million annually for to give grants to communities to build new schools or fix schools and stuff like that, right? Uh, we have increased that cap in this budget to $1.1 billion. So they will be able to go out and, and, and provide that much more aid for school buildings and, and other renovations that need to take place. <clears throat> and in New Bedford, we need that, right? Because what was happening was some communities were, were having difficulty getting on the list because there's just so much money to go around every year. Right. So this will open up more opportunities for New Bedford and other communities that need uh, they need either new school buildings or need to major renovations of present buildings that they might have upgrades of of um, HVAC systems you name it you know the the uh, the, mass, uh, the mass school building authority will have a much bigger capacity going forward for that and that's that's positive as well uh, in terms of that you know uh, that so that's I wanted to give you that bigger picture sure. in a sense. 
uh, before talking about specific. Yeah, things. let's. I mean, I have a list um, that you know your press team had, had uh, sent out to us a little bit uh, a little bit ago, and I'd like to go item by item, um, just talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. If there's something we miss, we can cover it after. But we'll start with the um, 506 million for the special education circuit breaker program. Uh, I'm unfamiliar um, with with uh, with with that area of funding. Can you tell us a little bit more about you mean that? The special education. Yes, yeah, so it's a special education circuit yeah. circuit breaker program. Well, that 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 is for special education. Let's say, yeah, uh, uh, and that's not just for New Bedford. Uh, it will go beyond New Bedford. But yeah, uh, let's say if you have a special needs student, uh, there will be additional money to provide the service for that student. In some cases, the city, if the city cannot provide. Uh, the education plan that that particular child needs. An IEP. Sometimes they have to be placed outside of the system. Yes. Or either a private uh, district placement, a private school, or another public school could be another public school. Sure. Uh, that can provide that specific uh, uh, education plan for yeah. that child. That can be very costly. Sometimes yes. just the transportation of sending that child uh, out of out of the city, it can be in the hundreds of thousands. I mean, it could be a hundred thousand dollars. Could be depending on the situation. So we have done a substantial increase on this as well uh, to help communities like New Bedford and others. Yeah, uh, and Dartmouth, for example, will all also benefit from that. And other surrounding towns and cities. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, one is is really the um, the uh, the um, Besides the circuit breaker for, for special needs, uh, there is a, a, another ability to, to provide school systems with additional assistance around, uh, for example, free lunch meals. Mm-hmm. Free lunch. From now on, the state will pick that up. Uh, the feds used to provide that. started with the Obama administration and then uh, it went out uh, a couple of years back. The state has stepped in and is going to provide free lunch across the state. It's great. So every kid that goes to the Redford Public Schools will be able to have a free lunch regardless of income of the, of the family. It's good. And that's $166 million just to keep that program running. Right. We're not even talking about breakfast before the bell or after the bell. Right. right? Um, so there are pockets of money like that that we have – set aside specifically for those kinds of so that's state aid that's not part of the two, 224 million right right or part of the uh, the 27 million that's a di- that's a different program that will that the city will be able to tap into in this case the public schools will be able to tap into to get additional money uh but other very specific earmarks for example i i i i've been getting that i've been try i've been securing that now for quite a number of years we have um, a program with ASMAST uh, that has been doing uh, fishery, ground fish research, ground fishery research mm-hmm. uh, to determine uh, uh, the various uh, stocks that are, you know, the stock assessment of cod, of haddock, and so forth, like we did with scallops. Sure. So that's a, been an earmark that I've skewed now for quite a number uh, of years. ASMAST, for people who don't know, is the UMass Dartmouth campus over in the South End, right? right. Yeah. Right. And the, and the, and the um, uh, Kevin Stokesbury, which is one of the scientists and one of the professors there, he's, a, he's the expert on these studies. Uh, and this earmark helps fund uh, that particular study on ground fish. Uh-huh. Did as well with with scallops. Obviously, the study that was done by SMS on scallops saved the scallop industry. Right. Saved 
Oz being the number one seaport in the country. Of course. Uh, because, as you know, at the time, NOAA uh, had a whole different way of managing that particular stock, mm-hmm. that particular fishery, and the numbers and the data that NOAA was using was not really correct. And in order right. to challenge NOAA, you have to provide a set of a set of data that is that is credible, that is uh, going through the scientific uh, approach, and that's what we do with ground fish. And that's uh, about a half a million dollars of a earmark to ask mass for that. Then I, you know, then I have other smaller earmarks. For example, uh, earmark for the uh, Frederick Douglass House, mm-hmm. which was, uh, we, as you know, we are building uh, an abolition park. So some of that money is is We're on Seventh Street. Some of that on Seventh Street. Yeah, I got fifty fifty thousand dollars for the Frederick Douglass um, Initiative or House. Uh, I got eighty thousand for. For Denison Memorial, as you are aware, is a fantastic organization. I used to play for them at the boys' club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as you know, after-school programming at Denison Memorial is absolutely key to those uh, kids that live in that neighborhood and and beyond that neighborhood. Without that, some of those young kids would not have any ability to have any kind of educational support after after school. You know, so that's... uh, uh, also, I I, um, I secured fifty thousand dollars for the Greater Bedford Healthcare Center to uh, to uh, support a an opioid uh, treatment and prevention program. Uh, I've been securing that earmark now for a number of years as well. Um, I've um, obviously secure been securing every year for the Zaitarian. Of course. Uh, the operation of the, Let, of the Let's actually take a break and we'll talk a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, let's do that. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM. Have your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. Hey, welcome back. I'm here with State Rep Tony Cabral. So uh, we were talking a little bit about the Z. You secured uh, some some earmarks for the Z, and I just wanted you to sort of talk about the what you identify as the importance of of the Zaitarian Theater as an institution in New Bedford. I think it's a very important institution in New Bedford. I mean, it's uh, obviously it's the performing arts center mm-hmm. um, in the city, uh, and also it's the host to the New Bedford Festival Theater. It's the host for the New Bedford Symphony. Yeah. Uh, so there are other organizations and other important arts and performing arts organizations that also utilize the T and the T without the T, the Z. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> without the Getting Z, ahead of yourself. Yeah. I know. I mean, <laughs> talk about the T again. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if the Z was not in, in was not there it would be much more difficult to do that. It's a, and if you, I'm sure everybody can 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 attest to that. Is that every time there is something at the Z, right? When the Z is on, as I say, right, the whole downtown vibrates, right? Oh yeah, and beyond. You I see mean, it. We have yeah. folks who actually go to dinner either before or after some event at the Z. Uh, not just downtown. I've I've come across folks in the south end, uh, and even in the north end, in some of the restaurants that I've might. You know, I I go sometimes, and if it's on a Z night, this is a, hey, that's great. What are you guys doing here? Well, we're having dinner before we go to the Z. So I I think it has a tremendous economic impact in the city, and the numbers prove it. I mean, I, I'm people can see it, people can feel it, but the Z has a whole study on this 
uh, on 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 the exact amount of of economic impact. Sure. Obviously, the Z uh, is a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Needs some major renovations. So it's a municipal not, building too. It's owned right by the now city. Right it is a municipal building. Yeah. Uh, we are hoping that at some point in the near future there is a an agreement between the city and the Z itself, the, the organization, for for a ninety nine year lease. Okay. And this will be we passed legislation myself uh, and Senator Montigny to allow that ability for the city and the Z to negotiate that kind of a, a lease. Uh, because that will be important because who's going to uh, it's not very uh, it's very difficult to get even loans for a capital plan or, or donations for a capital plan uh, if it's the building is technically owned by the city people don't want to give money to the city per se for a city building so i think that arrangement uh, uh, will be very important also for the success of the z um, and they're working that out. They're negotiating that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do expect that uh, in the near future that will be uh, complete. Uh, but the T right, uh, the Z right now actually is going through a whole capital campaign, and um, we have secured uh, so far, and we hope to secure some more uh, state participation. So far, we have secured three million dollars for that capital campaign. Um, we are hoping to secure. A few more. Um, the city also is committed, to be fair. The city also is committed out of their upper money, uh, also for that capital campaign. Oh, yeah. So we are trying to, at least I'm trying to see if uh, the state, from the state perspective, we can have at least a match of what the city is putting up uh, or a little bit more of that. Of that. So there, there's some programming in the in the in the Z too. There's a programming component for for like kids in the city and stuff, right? Oh yeah, uh, they, they have an educational program, and uh, all the kids in the public schools, not only the the Rebecca public schools, uh, do visit the Z, do participate in programs at the Z. So it's not just about adults; it's a tremendous tool, educational tool tool as, as well for the school children. In New Bedford and the surrounding communities. So, uh-huh. so, I mean, imagine when you are, you always hear stories. And I mean, actually, uh, one time uh, um, I was talking to Chris, you know, Chris Hendricks, and uh, uh-huh. I think his first experience going to the sea when he was in school, uh, in, in his yeah. school, when right. he visited the sea, he was amazed. And then you can talk, you ask, talk to kids and families, and that's been their first interaction, their first experience, and they loved it. Right. Uh, so uh, does that does that kind of work as well on on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, uh, and that's important to keep keep that institution uh, providing that kind of service and that kind of educational opportunities. The other the other ones that we've been getting the other organization that everybody's familiar with by the name of AHA, mm-hmm. uh, you know the second Thursday of the month. Uh, it's, uh, there's lots of activities in the city. Promoted by AHA, I usually, not I usually, I do, I should say, secure an earmark for that organization every year. Uh, we, I have secured uh, in this budget $75,000 for AHA. Um, so it's just to mention a few. There is others. I mean, uh, people might say, well, or might consider earmarks something negative. Some people do feel that way. Um I think that uh, how else are you going to fund things? Right. <laughs> you know? uh, this is a, this is money that comes directly to the community. Every penny of that money is spent in this community. Yeah. Uh, so it's and it's the community's community. taxpayer dollars as well. Anyway, they've that's already right. spent that. They've already paid Absolutely. it. They might as well get Absolutely. some of it back. And, and uh, so that's the way I think we ought to look at it. The way we see it and the way I see it. Uh, and as uh, 
the speaker usually says, who knows your community better than the state representative that you elect? Of course. Let's take one more break and we'll finish out the hour strong. Okay. okay. Welcome back. We're with State Rep. Tony Cabral. I wanted to give you the last couple of minutes to talk about the um, the tax tax relief package you guys worked on over at Beacon Hill. Well, I mean, uh, as part of the budget or incorporated in the budget, we did debate and we did pass a major tax relief package. Uh, and that's all always good news when the legislature acts and supports uh, sending money back to the folk, to the people. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. And th- this package is uh, uh, over the, the next, uh, let's say, if it gets uh, uh, approved in the end and signed by the governor, we have to wait. The, the Senate still has to debate their own version. Uh, but if let's say let's look at the house version for example it's potentially around 1 billion dollars of, of tax relief in various different areas one would be uh those who pay rent their deduction would increase um those uh, who pay um property taxes if they are 65 and over uh there are there is a potential to get up to $2400 of of tax relief on that, depending, of course, on the situation of the individual or the couple. Wow. Uh, you know, um, that's child, ca- the child tax credit would that's be big. 600, big, 600 yeah. per child, not just once. If you have per child. Per child and other dependents that are dependent on you that you report as a dependent on your income, state income tax. For example, if you have a child that has some, uh, uh disabilities that might, might be over 22 and still live with you and depends on you, uh, that becomes a deduction as well. That becomes a six hundred dollar credit. Okay. Uh, and potentially an elderly person that might live with you. So it's not just to children eighteen and under. So it depends basically on your individual situation and who you claim to be a dependent when you file your 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 state income tax. So it goes beyond just a, a child uh, that is under eighteen. Uh, just those three items alone is a direct. Uh, infusion of, of money in this case to families across the state. Um, just to give an example of that package. Tony, I appreciate you joining me this evening. I uh, look forward to talking to you more again soon uh, as you continue your work up at Beacon Hill. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much. Hope we'll be back soon. Sounds good.